0: round two ready to praise the lord tonight get touched hear the word preached amen let's go to the lord in prayer father we come to you in the name of jesus we ask you to bless the service tonight we ask you to touch everybody that came tonight we ask you to move through the internet lord that you touch people lord that you would move upon people to continue to help us to do what you've called us to do lord we ask you to bless this church We ask you to have your way tonight, Lord. Let your spirit come and touch us, Lord. We need your presence and we need your power. We ask you to show up, show out tonight, Lord, and bless us, Lord. Bless those that came tonight, God, and meet every need they have. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Can say with calm assurance this so earth award- be gone. It won't be long. I'm gonna be gone. It could be just any morning. It could be at night or noon. We don't know just when he's coming, but I know he's coming soon. I can say with calm assurance, this old world is not my home. One of these days you'll look for me. Thank God We're twinkling of an eye, I made my reservation for the mansion in the sky, I may not know the moment, or I may not know the day, but I know that I'll be leaving when he calls his church away, see I'm listening for the trumpet to sound most any time, and a crowd of light that's waiting, thank God will soon be mine I got my invitation through a place called Calvary by the precious blood of Jesus this trip's been paid for me I'm going Going home home with with Jesus. Jesus He's calling, get on board. And the destination's heaven, safe on that crystal shore. Where we'll meet again the Savior and the loved ones who have gone. Then we'll live for all eternity. Oh, yes, I'm going home. I'm going home with Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. vessel he's calling get on board and the destination's heaven save on that crystal shore where we'll meet again the savior and the loved ones who have gone then we'll live for all eternity thank god i'm going home i'm I'm going Call your soul away. If you're fighting, striving for the right, you shall wear a robe and crown. I'm gonna wear a crown. I'm gonna wear a crown. I'm gonna wear a crown. Wear a crown. When the trumpets sound. When that trumpet sounds. When that trumpet sounds. When the trumpet sounds. When that trumpet sounds. My feet strike Zion, I'll lay down my heavy burden, put on my robe in glory, I'll shout and tell the glad story, we shall wear a robe and cry. When that trumpet's sound I'm gonna wear a crown Just as soon as my feet strike Zion I'll lay down my heavy burden Put on my robe and glory I'll shout and tell the glad story Oh, we shall wear a robe and crown Oh, so I'm gonna wear a crown Just as soon as my feet strike Zion I'll lay down my heavy
2: burden Put on my robe
1: in glory I'll shout and tell the glad story We shall wear a robe in
3: We shall wear a robe and crown all the trials, the devil, people, will be over with, the war, the flesh, and the devil, and the enemy, and friends, and family, and coworkers, and from the cockroaches to people. <laughs> it's all over, no more of that mess, from snakes to rabbit, all of it, gone. Thankful for that, amen, but while we are here, We still have a job to do. I know we get excited about that day because who would not be? If you were not a Christian, I'm sure you would not be excited because there is hell and torture. And it's sad that so many people will literally say, I know I'm going to hell. It's like, do you really think about what you're saying right now? Do you really see the extent? They don't. Because when you're living in that lifestyle, you don't see the extent of what it could be. But that's why we are sent to preach, to teach, to talk. If you are a preacher, if you're just a pew sitter, it doesn't matter. You can still tell someone about Jesus. And you never know who there could be that you come across, especially this time of the year. There's a lot of hurt and people are just lost. Even Christians go through things. But we can pray for those people can't force them but you can pray for them amen and there's a lot of false people that need a heart healing they need mending they need restoration and the only thing that is their answer is jesus just as it is for us for healing deliverance for everyday life you gotta have it and if you don't you'll be lost but that's why we're here today to lift up jesus to get to those who need him through the internet through who hears us later on from years from now there's no telling you never know what someone will run into that could have been 10 years ago Preached and then they get it now and wow, I came across a sermon from 2010 and I just got, I got saved. You never, you never know. So don't think just because it's, well, it's older. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Age doesn't matter. The distance doesn't matter. Long as you come to Him, that's all that matters. You can be in Africa, Asia, Pakistan, wherever you want to be, but you can still come to Him. It doesn't matter the distance or the miles. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we take up the tithes and offerings tonight. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, God. We ask that you would touch us tonight, Lord, that you touch our hearts, our minds, our spirit, God, that you would help us this evening, Lord, to lift you up, Lord, that you would anoint us, God, that you would touch Adam tonight, Lord, that you give him a word, Lord put your anointing power on him. Give him peace, Lord, of what you have to give to us today, Lord. Through him, we ask that you would bless him, Lord. We thank you for the testimony of his mother, Lord, that he would continue to grow, Lord, and that you would use us, God, that many more testimonies just like that would happen, God, because of our faith in you, Lord. If we have faith as a mustard seed, God, nothing's impossible for you, Lord. But we do believe that you are in control of everything in our lives, so we ask right now, Lord, that you'd bless us tonight. Use us and bless Those who give and bless those that receive through their giving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I hear the
1: sound.
0: Songs about heaven. Going to see the Lord. Amen. Adam, you ready to preach, brother? Amen. Thank we well, thank the Lord for Adam and his family. You know him. It's not just him, but his family's a blessing. Kids are a blessing. All growing up. Can't believe Anna Kate's almost taller than me. She keeps wearing them high heels. She'll be taller than all of us for long. <laughs> thank you, thank
2: you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I feel like um every Sunday morning the Lord gives me a song in my spirit, and that was the song this morning that midnight cries. I always uh, Google it real fast on my phone, and I, of course, you never know what you're going to get, but I put in SBN, and it brought up Joseph Larson from 2016 singing it, and, and it was good, and that was good, Michaela. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, tonight, I feel like I'm kind of... Um, Hopped up on caffeine. I don't drink coffee or anything, and I <laughs> I drank some hot chocolate. I was they <laughs> they went somewhere, so I had about three hours to myself at my house. So that happened in a long time. Well, I'm, besides when I'm working, but when I actually was, you know, didn't have to do anything. And then I stopped at Speedway and got a frozen Coke on the way here, so <laughs> so, so I'm kind of hopped up on caffeine. I like those frozen Cokes. <laughs> But I want to preach about Israel, and I'm just going to say Israel, past, present, and future. And I think it's the right time to say this, so if the Lord will help me, I'm going to teach and preach about Israel, the state of Israel, the country of Israel, the nation of Israel tonight. Amen. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is where it all starts. Verses one through three, but you know everything um, is about Israel, Amen. When we talk about prophecy, when we talk about the end times and the midnight cry, and I think that we need to understand it, Amen. And we, you know, why are we for Israel? Why are we against the Arab states? Why are we against the religion of Islam? Why are we against? the muslims we love the muslims but i'm just saying as far as a nation as far as military campaigns and we've seen what's happened in this country with all the anti-semitism and everybody going against israel and saying palestine and all this kind of stuff so that's what i'm going to try to teach about and uh, preach about tonight so this is genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 and this is where it all starts the abrahamic covenant Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless them who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you, God, this Sunday evening here from Family Worship Center, God. And we pray, God, that that I can uh, speak and preach what you've put on my heart tonight, Lord Jesus. We pray for Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for everything that's going on there right now. Gaza Strip and up north with Lebanon and in the south with Hamas and the north with Hezbollah and we pray God for Benjamin Netanyahu and all the leaders of Israel, Lord Jesus, that you will give them wisdom, that you will be with the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, that you will protect them, God. And I pray for the captives, God, the ones that were abducted on October seventh, Lord God, in the Kibbutz area, that you will protect them, God, and that you will be with them. That you will keep them safe until they are returned home, Lord Jesus. The Israelis and the Americans that are, are that are captive, Lord Jesus, uh, please bless us tonight as we study Your Word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, I'll just I'll just start um, with Abraham. So, the basic thing is this: God had to have a family and had to have a country. Amen. He, that's just the way that it is. He had to pick somebody and he picked Abram. He was from Ur of the Chaldees and the, um, Bible says that he, uh, worshiped idols, that his family probably made idols and he moved to Haran and then to, to Canaan. But the Lord had to have a family to bring the promised Redeemer. Amen. To bring Jesus Christ. The Jews were selected through the loins of Abraham. And we know all of that story with Abraham and Isaac. And of course Ishmael. But the promised seed was not Ishmael. Amen. The promised seed was not what he did with his handmaid Hagar. The promised seed was Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old when they finally had the promised child, Isaac. And that is the way that God ordained it from the beginning of the earth to bring a child, (laughs) the Savior of mankind, into this world. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand the Bible. Amen. So we need to understand what Israel means, what Israel really is, what Israel's gonna be, not that they're saved now, amen, there's not two covenants, if they haven't accepted Jesus Christ, even if you're a Jew, you are not saved, but that is still God's country, and that is still where he called Abram, so he was from Ur, the Chaldees, which would have been around Babylon in modern-day Iraq, and so he went west and finally came into the land of Canaan. And I think there's a great parallel here. When God called them into the land of Canaan, it was finally Joshua that settled, that moved in, that won the victories. Uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle around Jericho. And all this came tumbling down. So that was the beginning, amen, And Joshua. And they came in to, to destroy Canaan, amen, and I think there's a great parallel there in this great country of the United States, and what's being taught now, I know because kids are in the public schools and you can read it and see it, you know, what's being taught now, Luke said it the other day innocently. What's being taught now is that we came and stole the Native Americans land. (laughs) And that always gets, that always bothers me and gets, I didn't learn that. Did y'all learn that as a kid that we came and stole their land, that we're on their land? It's very interesting. It's very similar to what God told Israel to do through the loins of Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, on down to Joshua. What did he tell them to do? Go into Canaan land. There were people living there. There was Canaanites and Perizzites and Hivites and all that, all those ites, right? (laughs) Those bad people. And he told them to kill every man, woman, and child, and even the animals, to kill them all, to kill them. Now, does that sound like a loving God to you? Well, the answer is yes. Amen? Yes. Because if people are evil and they will not turn to the Lord, they need to be taken out. It's the same in other countries. Adolf Hitler, <laughs> if he was taken out five years earlier, <laughs> millions of Jews would have been would not have been killed. And I just got through reading, uh, I love, this is my favorite all-time book, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it's just amazing in Germany, at that time, in that day, the Germans were the smartest people on the face of the earth at that day. Smartest people on the face of the earth. How could they do this? How could they kill six million Jews in gas chambers? How could they persecute and torment, torture people? How could they do this? And if you read... um which I love that about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but it gives you such insight into a true man of God, and there weren't many, but there were some, but not many. And he talks about it a lot, and he's turned away towards he turned away from religion because he saw the Lutherans of that time, and that's not a bad thing. that's saying they were Protestants. They weren't Catholics. They would go back to Luther, which Luther was from Germany. And so the Protestant churches of that time, 99% of them had Nazi flags hanging from their pulpits. It said when they would drive by the trucks full of Jews heading to the gas chambers, that they would just play the music louder so they wouldn't hear it, they wouldn't think about it. You can see the pictures of that day. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great, great man of God, he wrote The Cost of Discipleship, but I've just read like an autobiography of him, that he had every chance to leave the country. And he did leave. He went to America. He was from a very rich family, brilliant mind, of course. He could have gone into any kind of um, a professor or doctor or lawyer or whatever, but he chose religion because he got saved. He truly had a a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that everything, you know, that he believed was absolutely correct, but you have to understand the light, amen, the light that he was given, that he was in. And he had every chance he left, and he went back to Germany knowing that he was probably signing his death warrant. And he died just a few, he was executed just a few weeks before the war ended. He could hear the bombs, going off from the Allied forces coming into Berlin. And so my point is, educated, religious man did that, tortured people, exterminated, killed 6 million Jews and all the other torment and terrible, terrible things they did. I watched a little documentary on it just recently about the trials, the Nuremberg trials after... We finally went in and Hitler killed himself and we won the war. And they, and it's, I mean, it's back in 1945, 1946 in that era. But you can see it on TV. They had TV and you can watch, um, documentaries on it of these educated men that were high up in the Nazi regime. And most of them were killed, thankfully, um, for their crimes. But I mean, it's well documented what they did because they had a trial from all kinds of other countries, Americans and uh, French and all other British countries there in that trial with the lawyers. All right. So my parallel is that when we came here, (laughs) the pilgrims and the Puritans, and they weren't perfect, amen, they weren't perfect, and some of them were bad, but we didn't steal all that, what we called them Indians, now they're called Native Americans, we didn't steal all their land, we called them (laughs) Indians, Uh, we didn't steal all their land there was there was not a country here, but even if we did, God told canaan God told Israel to destroy the, everybody in the land of Canaan, which became Israel. God ordained the whoever pilgrims puritans, those from Europe that came here to establish this country, amen, and the main reason was that's why I watch different conservative, um, news shows, uh, Charlie Kirk and things like that. And he said, well, they're mostly uh, suburban, uh, college educated people, uh, white people so they've learned to hate themselves (laughs) so so the point is we should be proud of our country that we came here and settled this land the reason for is to preach the gospel and to send missionaries and to become the greatest wealthiest country that's ever existed the greatest wealthiest country that's ever existed and we in our schools (laughs) we see it with the palestinian flags and everything that's going on teach our children that we're evil. (laughs) It's all about slavery. We stole the Native Americans' land, and we're evil, and we're awful, and George Washington was evil, and Abraham Lincoln was evil. (laughs) It's just, it's absurd. It's absurd. It's deconstructionism, and when you do that, then you allow for a new government, a new regime, a new ideology to come into power, and that's exactly what's happening. And on that note... That's exactly why they hate President Trump that much, (laughs) because he doesn't believe that way, like everybody else did. And just on that note, we need to pray for President Trump, and we need to pray for the elections next year, because it's already happening. I mean, it's come out this week a lot. I don't know if y'all, how much you follow it or not. I've been able to follow it a little bit more this past couple of weeks. But it's already happening. <laughs> if the election was today, President Trump would beat President Biden. It's already happening. Now will he win in November? I don't know. But the liberals, the mainstream media, the left, the Democrats are going nuts. They are going crazy right now. So we need to pray for that. They said it's the end of the democracy and all this stuff, but it's very obvious that nobody that President Trump's gonna win the primary I don't know if he's going to be convicted. I don't know if he's going to be in jail. I don't know if he'll have presidential immunity. I don't know any of that, but he's going to be the candidate and he's going to run and and if and right now the polls say that he will win, and that usually don't even happen. They usually say he wouldn't win and then he did win, and then he lost the last election, whatever the case. <laughs> but we need to pray for that situation and and on that note. If anybody says there was not election fraud in the 2020 election, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, now where I would stop and say if it was true, if it was totally honest and true, would he have won or not? I don't know. I mean, probably would have, but I mean, I don't know that. But see anybody that would sit up there and say there was no election fraud, first of all, there's always been election fraud. And in 2020 with COVID and all the mail-in ballots, to say there was no election fraud is ludicrous with the states changing their constitution in the way that they started allowing the mail-in ballots, all because of COVID, which, by the way, was from China, <laughs> and Trump was hard on China. <laughs> and so could put the two and two together, it's pretty obvious what, what happened there. But anyway, we need to pray for that situation because, like I say right now, if you watch the news or anything, the left is going crazy. Of course, all the things about the Biden family and all that stuff. But as of right now, President Trump would win. If the polls say that he would win, then he for sure would win. So we need to pray for that situation. So God told him to go into Canaan land, kill everybody, man, woman, boy, child. And listen, that's not <laughs> evil. A lot of times, like I said, that's love. That's true love. You have to Take out a cancer, amen? You cannot leave a cancer. You can't leave evil people in a society. Is it wrong? <laughs> Would it have been wrong for the guy that broke into Pastor Chums' shop and stole motorcycles? Would it have been wrong for him to have already been convicted and been behind bars? No, he should already be convicted and be behind bars. If you don't take out evil people in this world, if you don't take out, out the Adolf Hitlers and the... yeah. Uh, the one in China, Zhao, um Ming or whatever, um, Joseph Stalin and all those people, the world is a terrible, terrible place. So God knows what he's doing. and He knew, knew what he was doing when he allowed the pilgrims and the Puritans and those from Europe seeking religious freedom that were Christians, the majority of them, and Christopher Columbus, and all that to come to the new world. Amen? So don't, allow <laughs> the left, all this stuff that's being fed to our kids and in the media and the mainstream media to, to fool you. Amen. This is a Christian nation and it was founded on Christian principles. All right. So we go back to Israel. So then we had Israel and we had the 12 tribes. Amen. And we go on down through and we have David and we have Solomon and they conquered that area. And Solomon's uh, rain, they conquered more than anything. And we have all the prophecies of virgins shall conceive and give birth. We read that this morning, didn't we? So, and out of um, Bethlehem of Judea, a ruler shall come that, to rule my people. The Messiah, the Lord, the, the government shall be upon his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. And all these prophecies, like in that midnight cry, have to be fulfilled and it came through in a little baby named Jesus Christ. So are you getting it? He had to have a family, and he had to have a country, and he had to have a land. It's not just by happenstance that it's Israel. Amen? And by the way, I was reading this uh, this afternoon, but, you know, when you look at a map, <laughs> what's in the center? <laughs> you know, of course, we know the earth is round, but when you look at a map, the way it, that man have made it has made it. The Middle East is in the center. Jerusalem is right in the center of the earth. Jerusalem has been fought over more than any city on the face of the earth. There's been more wars in the land of Israel, the land around Israel, than anywhere else. I mean, the Middle East is a powder keg, amen? And it's only the Lord that allows this world to continue, but especially in the Middle East. And you know, I'll go ahead and um, say this. So Jesus was born, amen, to that family, the son of David, amen. He had to have a family. He had to have a lineage. That's why we read about it in the Bible. And that's Israel. Well, he came for his own. The Bible says it came for his own, and his own received him not. He came to the Jews. Jesus was a Jew, amen. The Bible it was written by Jews, amen. The Bible talks about Israel, the land, what they call now Palestine, but <laughs> it's really not Palestine, it's Israel. It's about Jerusalem, it's about the Jews. That's why we stand with Israel, amen. That's why we believe um, that we should stand for Israel and with the Jews. That's why. The world (laughs) and the educated ones of the world, the Ivy Leagues and all these colleges that are just evil, amen, who do they stand with? (laughs) Not the Jews. (laughs) They stand with the so-called Palestinians, which there's really no, that's not even a country, so that really doesn't even make any sense. But from the river to the sea or whatever they're saying, that doesn't even make any sense. But the reason they do is because they hate this Bible, Amen. They hate God. Amen. They make themselves God. Amen. They're smart. <laughs> they have money. They're well educated. They're Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Columbia and Penn and all at Stanford and all these things. That's why they hate the Jews and and this anti-Semitism that we've seen on full display. Right? Is just. It's just coming out. (laughs) This is just an opportunity for it to come out, for everything to come out. What's in man's heart? What's in man's heart is they hate God. And so anything to deal with Israel, with the Jews, has been implanted in their brain by Satan and evil professors and people that they're not right. They shouldn't be there. They're illegal occupiers. They're evil. Just like Adolf Hitler did. (laughs) Just like uh, throughout the centuries. But anyway, Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. They said, uh, uh, Pilate said, what shall I do with this man Jesus? And They said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. They said, we have no king but Caesar. And his brother Swagger said, he said, Caesar has been a hard taskmaster. And so that was, of course... Uh, The time changed, so around 30 AD, they rejected him. So somebody might say, well, what if the Jews accepted him then? What if they accepted him? Well, this is what I believe. That would have ushered in the millennial reign. Amen. Well, who would have killed him? Well, Rome would have killed him because he would have been king in the Jews' mind. They would have lifted him up as king and uh, Jesus was uh, would have accepted that because he was king. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Rome and Caesar would not have allowed that, and they would have crucified. They would have killed him, crucified him, and his blood still would have saved mankind. That's what I believe, and that would have ushered in the millennial reign. Well, that didn't happen because the Jews rejected him. So because of that, and then in AD seventy. Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman general Titus, and the Jews were scattered out throughout the whole earth. Talking about Israel, talking about the Jews. They were scattered out across the whole earth. And since that time, they've been persecuted, (laughs) they've been killed, they've been tormented and tortured like no other race of people on the history, in the history of the earth. But God is maintained them and he has kept them and what we are seeing now after all this time and of course talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and in 1948 (laughs) so somebody says well i don't believe that israel is real i believe the church replaced israel the church didn't replace israel and i'll try to go through some scriptures to, to if if the lord allows and explain it but the church didn't replace israel there's no way <laughs> that these ancient people would have been scattered out throughout the face of the earth for 2000 years. Amen. 1900 years. And then all of a sudden <laughs> in 1948 just happened, <laughs> just happened to come back to the exact same place where God sent Abraham. Remember Abraham was there and then they had to, uh, Leave when uh, Jacob and then Joseph went to Egypt and they had to leave and they went back with Joshua to the exact same place that he sent Abraham, what I just read, to Canaan and they form a country and they don't call it (laughs) Palestine or they don't call it uh, Philistia or they don't call it whatever. They call it by the exact same name. In the exact same location with the exact same people. Now that's a miracle, amen. That is a miracle beyond belief. So if you think that Israel, that the Jews are just whatever, um, which is a terrible thought, but anti-Semitism, but do you think the Jews are just we'll just do away with them, that you're crazy. Amen. You are crazy. This is fulfilling Bible prophecy. And I want to read this. In Romans chapter 11, God talks about this. Romans chapter 11, Paul talks about Israel. Now, this is in the New Testament. Amen? So you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, what's Paul talking about? <laughs> he wrote half of the New Testament, wrote half of the epistles. How could Paul have been wrong? <laughs> How is the Bible wrong? If you don't believe it's <laughs> these people are still God's children. not saying there's two covenants. I'm not saying they're saved. If they haven't accepted Jesus, they're not. But if you believe that Jews and Israel are just done away with, you are crazy. You are against the word of God. Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. I say then, has God cast away his people? Remember, all Jews wrote the Bible. Amen? God put them... Had to have a family so the Redeemer could come. Jesus, he had to have a line through a son to be born. Um, And you had to have people to write the Bible to record everything. And you had to have a people to help evangelize the world. And they'll do that even more in the coming kingdom age. But even now they have because they wrote the Bible. Amen. Amen. I say then, has God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham. We just read. Of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people which he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he makes intercession to God against Israel. Saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and dug down your altars. And I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what was the answer of God unto him? Basically saying Elijah really wasn't right in saying that prayer right there. What was the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. And this hits home with me (laughs) and I think our family and probably all of us here. God has a remnant, Amen. Sometimes it feels like we're the only ones. <laughs> is anybody in the house tonight? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we're not the only ones. Elijah felt the same way. And God's answer was, "There is seven thousand men that have not bowed the knee to Baal." Amen. That's when Ahab and Jezebel was trying to kill him. Amen. <laughs> and he ran away. Amen. After the uh, great victory on the at the mount there, and the f- fire fell fell from heaven. There is a remnant. Amen. There's a remnant. And even though we're not Baptists and Methodists and Episcopal and whatever, there's a remnant of <laughs> people like us <laughs> that believe like us, believe the message of the cross and live like us. And it may not be many, but together it is a lot. Amen. They just may not be right here in Athens, Tennessee. Maybe, or maybe they are. I don't know. But, um, I don't, I don't, see them every day, but um, there are others that believe like us, amen, and we believe this uh, church will be full, amen, and then in Romans eleven twenty nine, it says, for the callings of God are without, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, and I just want to say this, you know, this is relating to Israel, that so whether it's a Pastor Thomas or Uh, whether it's somebody that's uh, not here tonight or left this church or whatever, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What does that mean? When he anoints someone, amen, when he calls someone, amen, I mean, I can, you know, say tonight this church is obviously not full, but there's an anointing here and there's a calling here and the callings of God are without repentance, A perfect example is Israel. Amen. They fell way down (laughs) when they rejected their Messiah, Jesus Christ, and said his blood be upon us and our children. They don't get much worse than that. Amen. I mean, you know, adultery is not worse than that. The alcoholism is not worse than that. Leaving this church is not worse than that. Amen. Falling away from the Lord is not worse than that. Paul is using this analogy, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance to Israel, the ones that wrote the Bible, to the seed of Abraham, amen, to the calling of Israel by God. If you are called of God, I don't care where you are tonight or what's going on tonight or if you're away from the Lord or not or if you're away from this church or not, The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Amen. And we need to remember that, and we need to get behind God's true anointed. Amen. And I believe Pastor Thomas is, you know, God's true anointed. Of course, not the only one in the whole world, but I believe this church is. Amen. So that's a great lesson to us tonight. Amen. So, we have Israel rejected Jesus. They came back in 1948, and I just watched... This little documentary uh, this afternoon, just real quick on YouTube. But you know, in 1967, well, I'll say this first: in 1948, as soon as the UN voted for Israel to be a country, well, that very same day, they were preparing for war. <laughs> They're preparing for war. Another sign that this is from God. If that if that don't do it, somebody <laughs> people been gone from 1900 years and just happened to come back and form a country with the exact same name, and the exact same place, and the exact same people after 1,900 years. I mean, I don't know what you're smoking, but you got to believe that that's a miracle from God, amen? If you don't, well, in 1948, when they announced it, well, they're preparing for war, and you can watch documentary on it or whatever. It was basically seven nations against one. Seven. It was... I do know if I know all of them, but Egypt, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, uh, Syria in the north, Jordan in the east, um, and Lebanon, and uh, I think there were se- seven total, amen, fighting against this little bitty country of Israel that was just formed. They were fighting seven against one, and I saw a little thing that said they had three tanks. <laughs> I think they had 30,000 soldiers, and they got some airplanes from somewhere, from Russia or something like that, and they had three tanks. <laughs> and you know what? They won. <laughs> so if that don't tell you that this is not from God, what else can it do? All right, in 1967, they fought again, a six-day war. They took over Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem. I watched this little thing, 15-minute thing on it today. They fought Egypt in the south. They fought Syria in the north. They fought Jordan in the east again. You know what the totals were on that? I just saw it today. The totals were Israel lost, I think it was 900 men. You know what the all the other countries lost in this six-day war that Israel destroyed them? Almost 20,000 soldiers. Israel, less than 1,000 soldiers other countries which were more than one fighting against them almost lost 20,000 if you don't believe that <laughs> amen then I can't help you there amen they took over like I said Jerusalem they fought in the uh, Sinai Peninsula they took over that in the south they fought in the north the Golan Heights and it was uh, and they fought in Gaza where we're having that now that's a miracle Amen. That's a miracle. They're still a long ways from God. Amen. But that's a miracle. All right. I'm going to speed on up here. And I want to talk about this a little bit. I didn't know where all I would go, but I love this one. (laughs) This is a good song. And it indicates the vision of the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel 37. So if you look at it, Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, 39, and then it goes chapters 40 through 48. That is all talking about the future. Ezekiel 36 is talking about God um, restoring Israel, about the people coming back, Israel's coming restoration. Ezekiel 37, I'll just read a couple of verses. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Talking about Israel. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? That's a great lesson. That's a great message right there. And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. That's what happened in 1948. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Israel's living today. They haven't accepted Jesus, so now we're getting into the future. But Israel is alive and well today. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone, and Brother Swaggart says that could be, because he says that sh- there was a noise, he said that could be, that really should be translated a voice, and he said that could be the, the rapture, that could be the sound of the trumpet of, the, of Gabriel um, stepping out, calling home his children, And when I behold, beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. So like in 1948, they're there now, but they're not there spiritually yet. But they will be. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So for anybody to read the Bible <laughs> and to look at these prophecies and not understand, amen, we're talking about Israel, we're talking about the coming days, Israel now is being regathered. So in Ezekiel 36, it talks about God regathering the Jews and 37, the vision of the Valley of dry bones. And then we get into the real good stuff. Amen. <laughs> then we get into the real good stuff. And this is what's going to happen. We believe in the rapture of the church. And right after that, amen. <laughs> Help me Lord. And right after that, it's going to be the man of sin. It's called Gog in the Bible. And that's why Ezekiel 38 and 39 is talking about. The man of sin, the Antichrist. And it's interesting to me, you know, back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, what I read at the beginning, verses 1 through 3, called Abraham. Well, What happened in Genesis chapter 11? Do You know, the Tower of Babel. <laughs> so every time God's about to move, what happened right before 1948? The Holocaust. He put into the demons-possessed madman Adolf Hitler, to destroy all the Jews. Amen. what Haman and Herod and Hitler couldn't do, or well, the Antichrist is going to try to do. And you know, when you think about the Antichrist, you know, it's easy to think, well, he's this uh, superman or he's this evil, he's the devil, and he's the, no, he's a man. He's a man, he's just like Adolf Hitler, just like Haman, he's just like Herod. He's a man. He's just like Alexander the Great or somebody. He's a man. So we believe the rapture is going to take place and we'll we'll be gone. And the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to sign. We believe he'll be a Syrian Jew because they're not going to accept somebody from Russia. They're not going to accept somebody from China. They're not going to accept somebody from Texas. <laughs> I think, you know, this country is going to go down after the church is taken out, but... They're not going to accept somebody from Mexico, (laughs) amen, from Alaska. They're going to accept somebody that's their own. And the 10-nation confederation will be formed, and the Antichrist will rise up. And he's going to sign a seven-year peace treaty. (laughs) You ever heard that in Israel, peace treaties? (laughs) The Camp David Accords and all that that uh, Jared Kushner did. We always hear these peace treaties. Well, the Antichrist is really going to sign a peace treaty, and they're going to accept him as their Messiah. Remember, the church is gone. They're going to be looking for peace. They're going to be uh, looking for um, help to be a nation because as we see the anti-Semitism now, as we see the pro-Palestinian rallies now, you imagine if the church was taken out. (laughs) Amen. Imagine if there's no Christians. I mean, it was an evil, evil place. So the Antichrist rises up, and it's going to be peace, the Bible says, for three and a half years. He's going to sign a seven-year peace treaty, and at that point, he's going to attack Israel, and she's going to suffer her first defeat since becoming a nation again in 1948. He's going to go into the temple, the Bible says, the abomination of desolation that Jesus talks about and Daniel talks about. He's going to offer a up a pig, or he's going to put himself as God, and he thinks he's God, and he don't believe the Bible, and it's going to be a terrible, terrible place during that time, and he's going to probably put away all Bibles in every country that he has control of. But the Bible says that tidings from the north and tidings from the east will occupy him. So it's just, I mean, it's very interesting when we get into it. So what will be the north? That'll be Russia, because he'll be in control of all the Middle East and, and Eastern Europe. So that'll be Russia. As so we see now Russia fighting against Ukraine. Luke's always asking me, who's winning the war in Russia and Ukraine? Well, it's not that easy. Amen. But Russia's are at this time. They're going to come fight against the Antichrist. What's the East? It's probably China. Amen. So he's going to fight. And he's probably going to fight for about three years against the north and the east. And then he's going to come back. And that's what all these verses in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are talking about. He's going to come back with his great army to destroy Israel. The Jews are still going to be there. They're going to probably reoccupy the city there. And he's going to come, the Bible says, from the north, but really just like from Syria, and come to destroy Israel. Israel, to destroy the Jews. Why does the devil hate Israel and the Jews so much? Because that's what the Bible's talking about. Amen? It's talking about Israel. It's talking about them in the New Testament. It's talking about them in the Old Testament. They wrote all the Bible. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Jesus was a Jew. Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 11. Revelation talks about it. The Bible talks about Israel and the Jews. And if he can kill and destroy every Jew on the face of the earth, which he's tried to do many times, then the Bible will be untrue. Then the devil will win. Well, it's not going to happen. Amen. It's not going to happen. So as he comes and most theologians say his army could be in the millions, could be in the millions of not that at least hundreds and hundreds of thousands. He's gonna come against Israel and she would be destroyed. There's no way. A little bitty country, a little bitty country in the Middle East against this huge gigantic army. This will be the last attempt by Satan. This will be the greatest attempt by Satan to destroy Israel. This is not Hamas and Hezbollah. Amen. This is the Antichrist with probably millions of soldiers. And lo and behold, amen. <laughs> you know, the Bible talks about, you can read it in Ezekiel 38 and 39. I won't take the time to do that, but the Bible talks about everybody will see it. Well, how's everybody going to see it? Well, what do you think? <laughs> Cell phones, <laughs> news cameras, it's going to be all over the place. Amen. I mean, we're talking about the Future here, which will be soon, but still it happens now. Amen. All the technology, everything, everything is in place. There's nothing to be fulfilled to, before the rapture takes place, before the this stuff starts to happen. <laughs> and, I know, and I know Brother Swaggart says this, but and all of a sudden they'll come, and it'll be the Battle of Armageddon. It's going to be in the Valley of Megiddo. And it's going to be this huge army to destroy Israel. And all of a sudden, <laughs> amen, the news will be there. All the reporters will be there. And they'll say, <laughs> what is that? What is that? What is that? And <laughs> Brother Specker says, that. It must be a new weapon the Antichrist has got, has developed. It must be some kind of airplane, helicopter, fighter jets coming. No, it's not. You know what it is? It's the Son of Man coming down from heaven. Hallelujah. And we're going to be with him. Amen. And we're going to be riding white horses, amen. And he's not coming as a little bitty baby, amen. He's not coming as a lamb this time, amen. He's coming as a warrior, amen. He's coming as a king, he's coming. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, hallelujah. Bible says, with fire in his eyes, a sword in his hands, will you ride with me? I kept thinking about that song that Joseph, again, Joseph Larson sings. Will you ride with me? Coming back with a sword in his hand and fire in his eyes. And on his thigh it says it will be written a name above all names. King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're going to be with him. And he's going to destroy the Antichrist. And he's going to destroy the armies. And it will be the last battle. Amen. It will be the last battle before the coming kingdom age. And Israel will then accept him. Amen. Israel will accept him and he's going to set up the kingdom and you can read about it. Ezekiel 38 and 39. The Bible says it will take seven years for all of the machinery, all the steel, all the weapons to be burnt with fire. We're talking about a war that the world has never seen before. Amen. We're talking about the Antichrist's army that the world has never seen. It's greater than the American army or the German army or the Chinese army or the British army. It's greater. Amen. It's far greater and he's going to be destroyed. And the Bible says it'll take seven years to just burn up all the stuff. It says it'll take seven months Think about it. The Bible says, Ezekiel 38 and 39, five-sixths of his army will be dead, will be killed. The Lord can use anything. And when you read the Bible and you think about it and the things that have happened in the past, they'll fight against each other. Amen. God will see, he's going to send, the Bible says, hell and brimstone and fire and earthquake, and they're going to be destroyed. He's got everything in his power, amen. He can do anything that he wants to, amen. He can use the elements and the weather and everything else. It's, the Bible says it'll take seven months to just gather the bones of the dead people, the dead Soldiers, and it says the vultures of the air and the beasts of field will devour them. Because you think about hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of dead people like that, it's going to happen like that. I and mean, it might take a day or a few hours or a few seconds, a few whatever. But it's not going to take more than a few hours. It's not going to take more than one day. And they're not even going to be able to bury them all. It says it'll take seven months just to gather the bones of the dead soldiers of the antichrist and the antichrist will be dead (laughs) amen it's like hitler was dead and haman was dead hung on the gallows and herod is dead and all these stalin is dead and all these evil people are dead amen the antichrist will be dead and that'll be it amen and the millennial kingdom will commence amen i'll tell a little story at the end um I know I told that about George Foreman last time. Well, this is similar, but it's very different. There was a man that grew up in Chattanooga, <laughs> so just down the road. His name was Reggie White. <laughs> Anybody know Reggie White? He was arguably the greatest NFL defensive player of all time. <sighs> he grew up a Baptist he didn't have a uh, a father. I don't know why I cry so much? But you know, I have a love for the for the African American people. You know, I play sports, and it is hard. You know, so many of them. And in my job, which I'm kind of uh, thankfully, I got a, my new official start date, so it'll be a little bit different. But you know, I've, for the last few years, I've been dealing with a lot of people in Memphis. You know, it's sad. It's sad. The government has a big responsibility. It's a lot of it is on their shoulders. Whenever we brought in all these social programs in the sixties and stuff, the government is to blame for a lot of it. it. Destroyed the black family. It destroyed. The black family was stronger than the white family before then. They had more, they were closer. They had more um, marriage, successful marriages. They had stronger families. They were poorer, of course, on average. And we brought in all the social programs. And that's what I've done for 20-plus years. So I know it pretty good. (laughs) You know, it didn't help them. It hurt them. When you can have babies and get money because the daddy's not there. And when you can live off the government. And we create all these projects and all these homes I was telling somebody the other day, like, oh, what imbecile thought that creating all these housing projects and putting all these African-American people, poor African-Americans there together to live by themselves in their own little community where they're only around themselves and the government's helping them pay everything. How, how in the world is that going to help them? <laughs> it's not going to help them and it hasn't. I've seen it with my job. It's not good. So the government is to blame for a lot of that. But Reggie White grew up um, without a daddy, went to Howard. <laughs> I played Howard, Howard, Howard down in Chattanooga. <laughs> and he was a great athlete and he was a football player. So he went to the University of Tennessee. And this whole time, he was a strong Christian. He was Baptist, but that's all he knew. He was truly saved, preached the gospel, and they called him the minister of defense. And he always had a Bible, and he was always happy, and he always preached, and he, then he got real famous and went to the NFL and made a lot of money. Like I said, arguably the greatest NFL defense player of all time. And that's saying a lot right here from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he won a Super Bowl, and then this is what happened. So this is around 1999, 2000, and I knew it when, when I uh, saw it. Well, he started, he retired, and he always read the Bible, was always happy, always preached the gospel, the best that he knew how so many people saved. It was a great, great uh, witness, great role model, especially for black athletes. And he started getting into this Hebrew and stuff and the devil got into him and he started thinking that he didn't know the Bible and he went to Israel, started talking to rabbis and started trying to learn Hebrew and read Hebrew and the devil told him that what he, a lot of what he did was wrong. And that's not true. <laughs> a lot of what he did was right. He preached the gospel. He was always happy. He was, I mean, everybody loved him until he took a stand. And he took a stand before he got into this Hebrew stuff. Because he played for Green Bay, Wisconsin, Wisconsin State Legislator, and started talking about homosexuality. This has been around 1999. and said, homosexuality is a sin. He said, it's not a race. You're not born that way. And the whole world went crazy and turned on him. And he was on CNN. And <laughs> I watched a clip of it there, not. And they said, uh, the CNN, uh, announcer said, um, well, your, your religion says that homosexuality is a sin. My religion doesn't. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And Reggie was awesome. <laughs> huge guy. Six foot six, 295 pounds, strong as an ox. And he said, oh, he said, what Bible are you reading? What Bible are you reading? (laughs) What Bible are you reading? (laughs) And so the world just turned against him. And I don't know if that was the reason or not, but he got into this thing, of this Hebraic roots movement. Like I said, he went to Israel, got some, some Jewish rabbis, and the rabbis started telling him stuff. The devil started telling him stuff, saying there's no hell, there's no heaven, and all this stuff. Long story short, he died at 43 age of 43 in 2004, at the age of 43 in 2004, with a massive heart attack, just like that. And when it happened, it shocked the sports world. He just retired about five years earlier. And they started talking about it on ESPN, and Susie Colbert was talking about it. And I saw some interviews. When they interviewed him at the end, right before he died, he wasn't happy anymore. He didn't have a smile anymore. He was just this big kid, this huge guy, this sports player, made all kinds of money. And he wasn't happy anymore. He said, I misled people. That's what he said. He said, I misled people, which is a lie. So the moral of that story, the reason I wanted to say it, is if you know that Jesus died for you, (laughs) amen, if you're saved, you don't have to read Hebrew, amen, I can't read Hebrew, amen, you don't have to know the entirety of the Bible, and every single thing about it, Reggie White did a great thing for many, many years, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you know the blood of Jesus has saved you, then you can witness, amen, you can preach in your own way, amen, that's all you need to know, and, and I struggle with it because Pastor Thomas asked me to preach or something and I think, I don't, I can't do that. I don't know that. I don't know it good enough and I study myself to death and all this stuff. And, you know, that's the devil, amen? If you're saved, then if the God calls you to, you can get up here and preach, amen? If you're saved in one second, the next second you can be witness to, some, to somebody, amen? You don't have to know everything and be a Hebrew scholar and read Hebrew and go to Israel and listen to Jewish rabbis, amen, to be able to be a good Christian and to be able to witness to people, amen? That's the moral of that story. And I don't know how to end it other than that's what's going to happen. Amen. The Antichrist is coming very, very, very soon. Amen. And he's going to be destroyed. And that will be Satan's last attempt. And Satan will be put away for a thousand years. And Israel is going to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says... Jesus will say, they will say, where have you received the wounds in your hands? And he'll say, I received them in the house of my friends. Amen. Amen. I'll give it back to Pastor Thomas.
0: <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. We're getting closer. Time is running out. Hey, Amen. Would you stand your feet? You know, he was talking about evil. I saw the other night um, on one of those shows, um, crime shows, uh, Two guys pulled up on a street corner in a city, and one got out with a shotgun, and he went and he pointed it at this man and made him—you couldn't hear anything. He made him strip all his clothes off, down just just his underwear. He walked back to the car, and you could see the video of this going on. And I'm, you know, in my heart, I'm cringing at the scene. And he went back to his car, and he come back a minute later, and he approached the guy and he took the gun and he hit him in the head with it. He just backed up and stepped and pointed right at his head. And killed him, shot him, cold blooded murder, and I thought that's as evil as evil can be, and then they were talking about his sentence and everything i I thought that's death penalty, murder, thou shalt not murder and he they gave him twenty five years to life. I thought this is this is backwards, this is crazy police officers that witnessed it watched it on the video said we'll be there at the parole hearing to remind everybody what this man has done every time he has a parole hearing that and i just my heart sunk i thought that's what our society and they they were interviewing the man that did this and he was as cold as cold like that man didn't mean nothing he was a piece of trash and i thought god help us this is what our nation is producing And what, I, you know what, but what you was talking about, Jesus coming back. Mmm, I could feel it. You could, I'm telling you, when the son of man comes, it's over with, church. The evil is going to be taken care of. Praise God. Jesus is coming. I'll be glad when he comes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Been a good message tonight. Let's pray in closing. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the word, for the understanding for the teaching of your word, Lord, that we should pray for Israel, that we should pray for that nation and all everything going on around them, Lord, that you... Paul said that we should pray for Israel, that all Israel would be saved. Lord, we pray tonight, God, again, that you move in this situation, that you would put down the enemies, that you would help them to defend themselves, Lord, that there would be minimal loss of life, God, that you would put away this evil, God, that is trying to take control, Lord. They will never be able to take control of what you have ordained. And, Lord, we claim that for us tonight as born-again Christians. The devil will never take possession of that which you possess, Lord. We thank you tonight. We thank you for the blood. We thank you that soon and very soon we are going to see the king. And, Lord, we praise you tonight. We ask you to go with us tonight. Watch over us tonight. Protect us, people tonight that are watching. Touch them. Bless them. Enlighten them, Lord, to your truth. And bring us back together. At the next appointed time, safe and sound. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget, next Sunday, we're we'll only one service Sunday morning, so it'll be a bang. One good, long service. So we won't be a service Sunday night, so don't forget that uh, to come.
3: We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., And Wednesday evening at 6 30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center PO Box 118 Athens, Tennessee, 37303 for more information you can call the church at 423 744 0774